This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. It's my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show, where our mission is to serve you and empower you so you make better financial decisions in your life. So it's December, and that means I only have a few more opportunities this year to hear from Krista what you have said about how I have messed up in our weekly Clark Stink segment. Today is a Clark Stinks day. Also in this episode, lots of news and updates for you for short-term rentals, Airbnb. We're going to hear somebody's story who's had a really hard time with VRBO, not Airbnb, right? Right. So it's really the short-term rental market. There's a lot you got to know, and I want you up to date before you spend your hard-earned money and get burned. But without further ado, it is time for Clark Clark Stinks. Stinks. I should have never encouraged you to speak. You must think I'm pretty stupid. You should be ashamed of yourself. Well, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you're right, pal. What you starting with today? We have a lot to get through. All right. I enjoy listening to Clark most every day, but he seems mixed up on printer toner versus printer ink. This has happened before. Someone asking if the aftermarket toner is acceptable in a laser printer. Clark's response went immediately into printers that use ink. He even called toner black ink. He never answered the question. Toner is a powder, ink is a liquid. Laser printers using toner are almost trouble-free, and they work after sitting for months. Not so with inkjet printers. I've purchased toner from my two laser printers from the internet for years and have not had a problem. Just be sure you're selecting one that's compatible with your printer. Many come with the electronic chip installed, and that's from Brandon. Brandon, thank you, and I, I apologize. This is a lazy habit of mine. Of course, a laser printer runs on toner, not ink. I use the terms like they're the same. They're not. Your point about the inks are true. You let that printer sit for a while. It will become unreliable. I have one that I use irregularly, and one of the four colors will not work now. (laughs) And so you print in color. It looks really, really funky. So that is a true point. On the toner versus ink. The DRM, the digital rights management with the chip, is a problem just generally with the laser printers and also with the printers that run on ink. And the real cost, whether you buy a laser or whatever, is the inks and if you can, or the toner. And if you can buy third party toner and it'll work, you don't have to worry about everything Hewlett Packard's done to try to pick your pocket. Clark, for years, I have heard your on-air struggle with the word for the Epson printer, EcoTank. May I settle it for you once and for all? It's a long E, so think economy, ecology, eco-friendly, or e-commerce, Wes. And Wes, okay, I can't believe this is coming up because there was an ad, uh, I think a basketball player was doing it during a football game, 
And he said, eco tank. And I was like, okay, there's my answer. And everything I know in life comes from watching NFL football, obviously. (laughs) Someone asked what to do after requesting a quote for their trees to be removed, only to find that the contractor removed the trees without their consent. You advise them to go ahead and pay the discounted amount offered by the company. However, the homeowner is protected under the laws covering unjust enrichment. Someone can't just install a new driveway or power wash your house while you're at work without your consent and then charge you for it. You should have advised the homeowner to consult with an attorney, Dave. Dave, I, uh, I may not remember, but I thought I did say that you could either cut a deal or talk to a lawyer. And so you bring up unjust enrichment. I should mention, Dave, I'm not a lawyer, but... We've got the problem with English common law that's so often interpreted that work was done on your property and you have benefited from it. And so the burden of proof is on the consumer, the homeowner, to prove they never authorized the work. And it gets to be a mess. And they did want the trees down. The trees are gone. So there's this practical side. If you can cut a deal that that seems okay, cut the deal. If you can't, then absolutely you want a lawyer. And yes, I'm encouraging a business to do dishonest practice, no doubt by saying that. Clark stinks like what you smell even though your child is going through potty training and insists that he did not poop in his diaper. This is because he believes apparently financial investment people who claim that being a fiduciary is meaningful. While I believe it is mostly a label that means close to nothing. Uh, They link to an article and it says this article comes to a similar conclusion. Jason Zwig... Swag. Swag notes how the firm's virtually all, and I think based on my research, it is all investment advisors, whether or not they claim fiduciary status, require mandatory arbitration for their customers. Mandatory arbitration, another of Clark's hated policies, and here all the supposed fiduciaries require it. And that one's from Jay. Jay, there was something even worse in Jason's story, and it was about how when you use a um, independent financial advisor, you use someone who claims to be a fiduciary and you end up having a problem with them. Not only are the arbitrations completely stacked deck like they are with the brokers, but the information usually is kept secret. Even worse, the arbitration organizations that independent financial people usually make you use charge massive fees that are unconscionably high And under the stack deck agreements you sign with most fiduciaries, you are obligated to pay half of the cost even before anything's actually happened. And the fees are outrageous. You know, a lot of people in business claim that arbitration is simpler and cheaper and quicker. And in the financial industry, it's turned out to be none of those things and is completely unfair to the consumer because the arbitrators know if they don't find for the business, they don't get business anymore. And that is broken. And that's why arbitration in any format should be voluntary on a consumer who is in an unfair, untenable situation where they are the inferior weak party compared to whatever the business is. And so your point is very valid that these stack deck arbitrations that we are required as consumers to do all the time are just rotten 
eggs. They are terrible, and I've hated them forever. And I hate that people holding themselves out, supposedly to a higher standard as fiduciaries, are leaving people without recourse if they do get ripped off or cheated. Great advice 99.9% of the time, but you read a question from a divorcing lady whom you advised to pay off her high interest credit card or consult a credit counselor. As someone who went through a divorce, the best advice in a divorce is to put everything on hold and consult your lawyer. The court might slice and dice things different ways. Stay in your lane, Mr. Howard. I'm not a lawyer, Ken. Ken, thank you. Um, So I made an assumption with that question that the questioner was much further along in the process that there was already an agreement. And that, when you make an assumption, well, there's a phrase for that. Yep. So I apologize because what you say is completely correct and you should not do any financial engineering like that until and unless the divorce is finalized and the allocation of liabilities is clearly negotiated and finished. When Clark talks about saving on prescription drugs by not using your insurance plan, he fails to mention how using your insurance plan contributes toward your deductible and out-of-pocket maximum. The individual or family's typical medical costs should be considered when deciding which approach to paying prescriptions and procedures will save more money. Jacob. Jacob, that is a wonderful point. Now, many plans now, the pharmacy benefit is separate from the health care benefit. They are discrete plans that are not joined. In a situation like you mentioned, where they are integrated into one plan with one deductible and one series of copays, then you are val- completely valid in what you said. And I ignored a bigger picture that could make paying more for prescriptions more in the short run, but cheaper overall for your health coverage in the long run. You related the story of a woman who made a reservation on Booking.com for a hotel that turned out not to exist. Being a former travel agent yourself, I was disappointed that you didn't mention utilizing a travel agent as one of the ways to prevent such catastrophes. Travel agents like me are still paid commission by hotels and help our clients avoid hotel disasters without charging them a penny extra. David. David, you are completely right. That was an oversight on my part, and that was wrong, and I apologize. As you were discussing a bad decision by former Prime Minister Liz Truss, you said the United Kingdom or England or Great Britain or whatever you want to call it. (laughs) My dear sir, the United Kingdom, Great Britain and England are all three different entities. The United Kingdom is made up of four countries, England, Wales, Scotland and Northern Ireland. Great Britain is the island that encompasses Wales, England and Scotland. And England is one of the four countries that make up the UK. Most Americans get this wrong, and I understand it can be confusing, but it really rubs a Scot the wrong way if you say that England and the UK are in the same. Cheers, Nigel. <laughs> Nigel, thank you. I, I apologize. It's just funny to me because think how confusing it is to people who are not from Scotland, Wales, England, or Northern Ireland to try to get their arms around why one place that we refer to over and over again not just in the United States, but every other country in the world, it, why one place has three different names is very, very confusing to people. Of course, I know the distinctions you made because I've spent so much time in all four countries, the three that make up Great Britain, 
the fourth that makes up the United Kingdom. I have done that, and I know that, but I'm just making light of it because it is a weird national identity to have all those names. Detecting, I think I'm going to create another I know, Nigel, I don't that. know if Nigel's going to feel Sorry, satisfied Nigel. by that. Sorry. Um, detecting a not-so-faint odor. In a recent podcast discussing unlimited PTO, you insinuated that people who take more PTO do not work as hard as people who do. People who need less PTO may just be more healthy or have easier circumstances than those who need more. Some of the reasons I've taken PTO over the years include illness, hospitalization, surgery for myself or my family, broken down cars or public transportation, testifying in court after witnessing a crime and handling a flooded home. Perhaps I should have gone to work and ignored the subpoena, a deadly medical condition or the rising water level in the house. Come on, Clark. Hard workers take PTO too. signed a hard worker. A hard worker. I think you missed uh, the emphasis I was making, and that is that employers who offer unlimited PTO end up with employees who take less time off because the employees feel like they'll be labeled as a slacker or not a hard worker if they take more time off than people typically do. That for employers, what seems like an enhanced benefit for people ends up being a shrunken benefit because of how workers perceive how the boss will evaluate them and perceive them. And this guy takes his vacation, believe me. All right. You said you always never top miss off, a vacation day. <laughs> you said you always top off the gas on a rental car before you return it. I think you specifically added that even after it's full, you add more. I remembered that we weren't supposed to do that, so I Googled it. And well, you should follow your own advice. And they link to an article on Clark.com on why you should never top off your gas tank. Yeah, it's and that's bad. Michael. Michael, and it's bad for the environment. I knew someone was gonna say that to me. So I rent cars about 30 times a year. I used to, and I'm back to that this year. And there's this big tug, push and pull with the car rental agencies trying to get more money out of us. And one of the ways they're doing it is at the uh, gas thing. And so that's why I'm doing something against my normal advice to avoid getting hit with a bill shock. But this is a stink for both Clark and Krista. A question was asked regarding tipping getting out of hand. Then a specific example of a t-shirt was mentioned. Clark said he had not heard of that one, went into one of his two favorite humble brags, clueless about popular culture or never watches any TV except football, and he never addressed the real question. The question was regarding the onslaught of tipping in general and how can we stop it? The specific vendor isn't important. And Krista stinks for not listening to Clark's answer and calling him out on his drop ball, Steve. Steve, okay. You don't know anybody more flaky than I am. And I lose my train of thought all the time. And so that is true. And we did not address the tipping thing. So tipping getting out of hand. The things we're being expected or asked to tip for or because a lot of people are in jobs that they're not earning enough money to pay for their lives, and employers not wanting to pay more institute tipping for jobs that customarily would not involve a tip. And so this is a wide societal problem with the paychecks that people are receiving in jobs that historically, traditionally would not involve tipping in them. 
And Eric in North Carolina says, answering a question the other day regarding Chromebooks, Clark mentioned that apps are considered even safer. What I don't think was mentioned was to never use a phone app on public Wi-Fi. We are wired, haha, to always connect to save data. Yeah, and you know, I I've talked about why when you travel overseas, you can on your cell phone plan typically use Wi-Fi at no cost and avoid big overseas charges for a cell phone. And I fed right into putting people into bad behavior. And what's funny is I never connect my cell phone to public Wi-Fi. I don't do it. I don't know if you I do. I never do, no. I don't connect a laptop to public Wi-Fi. I use the hotspot in my phone that I have unlimited data hotspot. I use it to run my laptop instead of using public Wi-Fi. I don't use hotel Wi-Fi. Mm-hmm. I don't use anything like that because of the risk of somebody being able to trick you and gather your private data over Wi-Fi. A lot of times people will set up a fake Wi-Fi network. So that is a very good point, Eric. And I want to tell you, think about the variety of things you just read. And I'm just a guy. I'm just one person. I've been doing this a long time. You fall into habits. You answer things out of a certain lens. And so you really help me so much when you take the time to post to Clark Stinks and share how I could serve you better. Coming up ahead, we're going to talk about all the complaints going on about Airbnb and short-term rentals in general, what you need to know and a change that Airbnb is making that tentatively is more customer-friendly, not landlord-friendly. I'll fill you in. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I got three things I want you to know as a landlord of short-term rentals. The rules keep changing, either from Airbnb or VRBO or from a local government. And that's why I talk about anytime you're considering buying a property or converting a property into a short-term rental property, do not Commit to something like that that's a long-term play. If you can't see the money work for you, if the rules change and you can only do long-term rentals, because what can happen is you have a business model that works only for short-term rentals and you end up in a situation where the property you have 
can now only be used for long-term rentals and the revenue you can generate long-term per month is not enough to make the math work. So unless the math works either way, pass on buying a place to use as a short-term rental property as a business plan for you. Why? Because more and more developments are changing their rules to ban short-term rentals. I have a condo that that just happened in. And so anybody who bought thinking they were going to rent out that condo on short-term cycles, they're out of the game now. And this has happened place after place after place where the people who own units didn't want transients in the building and or in the development or at the resort and change the rules on you. And there you have that property you've been renting out to, you know, three nights, seven nights, days, whatever. And now they require six months or a year or whatever it is. And your business model doesn't work anymore. So know that. Second thing, local governments changing rules. In Hawaii, where we've talked so much about people who bought properties to make VRBOs or Airbnbs, and then the rules change. Well, now Oahu has done this. The you know That's where Honolulu is. On a lot of the land of Oahu, which is where most of the population lives in the Hawaiian Islands, there are now restrictions on any rental less than 30 days. So you bought a place where you were renting a week at a time or three nights at a time or whatever. Can't do it anymore. And if you don't believe neighbors are going to turn you in if you cheat, they're going to turn you in. New York City has come up with new registration rules for Airbnb that a lot of people doing Airbnb in New York feel are backbreaking and are going to push them out of the business. So that's why for you, the fundamentals have to work either way. In addition, we've had a number of complaints from renters of Airbnbs who have been hit with all kinds of junk nuisance things at the end of a rental, like washing all the linens and towels and cleaning up the bathroom, putting new towels back out, making the beds again and all that. Airbnb says no more hidden fees, no more chores. And it's not blanket, but there's been so much reputational harm to Airbnb that the CEO said, I've heard you loud and clear. And so this is something that has infuriated people is starting in December, right now, phasing in, you will have an option as a renter in the U.S. and some other countries that hadn't spread around the world yet to see the total deal, not just the price that they post for the property. You'll be able to see cleaning fees, service fees. You won't see taxes, but you'll see other things. They're going to make the move. Some countries already require this stuff, but now you're going to see it spread to everywhere Airbnbs are over time. The list of chores became so reputationally harmful to Airbnb because it went on the comedy circuit. And a lot of comedians 
were telling these really funny stories about all the craziness that Airbnb hosts were making their renters do. And it just was really making Airbnb look bad. So I want you to know about the changes coming. But in the meantime, be aware when you are a renter, there can be a lot of gotcha fees and there can be a lot of gotcha chores. You need to know that stuff before you commit to book that Airbnb. And I will not book an Airbnb or VRBO under any conditions or circumstances till very close to travel because of how difficult it is with most listings on Airbnb or VRBO to get a refund when you cancel. The cancellation policies with so many hosts are so strict where so often you book a hotel, even a resort, you have a cancellation window that will be at a resort maybe seven days out before arrival at an urban location, one, two, or three days before arrival. Airbnb, VRBO, you're not going to have that. And by the way, if you're a host of an Airbnb or VRBO, remember, we just did the Clark Stink segment. Go and post your beef with me, making it all sound so bad. Then Krista can read it right here on the podcast. What you got for me, Krista? First one's from Eric in Washington. I thought I would share my strategy for reading hotel, Airbnb, and VRBO reviews. I found it most effective to jump to the one-star reviews. If the reviews show us a pattern of significant and legitimate problems, I move on to other options. If the negative comments seem petty, I feel comfortable booking. This strategy also gives me the opportunity to see how responsive management is to complaints, even silly ones, since they usually have the opportunity to respond to the review. I love that. And I should point out when I do shop at Amazon, which I don't shop that much at Amazon, but when I do, I go read first the two star reviews. And then if there are one stars, I go read them. And then I decide. And the other day, there was something I was going to buy. And after reading not the one stars, but the two stars, I never made it to the one stars. I was like, nah, not buying that. This is from Dawn in Alaska. I'm in the VRBO from hell. I rented a home with a pool in Hawaii for 30 days with my family. The pool was broken when we arrived and we're hoping it will be fixed soon. We've been here 10 days. When we arrived, there was no trash service and the previous renters left a lot of trash. The owner did set it up again, but after a week, the trash company repossessed the cans. When we arrived at the place was also filthy. I got the owner to clean the carpets four days later and we did the rest. I learned that the VRB listing is posted for a few days and then removed for weeks. Right before we got on the plane, two reviews were posted that said the pool was broken during the month before we arrived. The listing disappeared the day after we checked in. Is there any hope that VRBO will do anything about these issues? Okay, so with anybody in the travel industry, you're doing what they call eating the evidence by staying there. And you need to be all over VRBO and you want them to find an alternate dwelling for you. And since you're already in Hawaii, you can go check it out to make sure it's not a dump. But this is a key problem with both Airbnb and VRBO is when a property turns out to be not at all as represented, that they tend to shrug their shoulders. And that's why you've got to be very persistent with VRBO in this case 
about the problems you're having and the failure of them to police their listings, that somebody can go on and off, on and off to try to hide how decrepit the property is, is crazy. I would also, because of all the fuss going on in Hawaii right now about short-term rentals, look and see if somebody with the main paper in Honolulu has been writing Airbnb stories. Advertiser? Honolulu advertiser? I should remember that. Or TV reporter. Yeah. You want to get coverage. Yeah, the The star star advertiser. advertiser. So you want to get some media coverage while this is going on. And for TV, you're right. A reporter being able to show how awful the property is, that's great TV. We're outside of ratings period, so they're not working as hard. So they might really like doing what they call a day turn about the dwelling that you're suffering in. And I'd love to hear back from you how you do with this. But I, unlike you, Krista, you still book a meaningful number of Airbnb and VRBO stays. I won't book one that doesn't have at least 50 reviews. Like, I mean, and that one obviously didn't have any if they keep taking it down and then putting it back up a month later, there aren't reviews. And that's a telltale, like bad, bad sign. It'll say it's a new listing. I never book new listings too. Well, I got burned twice in a row. First time, shame on you. Second time, shame on me. And I haven't cut them out of my life. I just haven't booked with either of them since those two back-to-back bad experiences. Interestingly enough, one was an Airbnb and the other was a VRBO. And I've written them off in my life. Wow. I still like them. Paul in Florida says, can you upgrade from TSA PreCheck to Global Entry without paying an additional $100 for Global Entry? To my knowledge, you cannot, Paul. I've looked around for this myself because my son has pre-checked and he's reaching an age where having global entry would be great. And I see no way because they're run as separately administrated programs. And what's so wild in this area, the cost of pre-check has gone down, both for enlistment and for renewal. And pre-check is very efficient doing the background check, enrolling you. Global entry is a mess. The administrators of global entry have completely fouled it up. People are having a really hard time doing it. And it is a hassle and a half. And if anybody's listening at Homeland Security, would you please fix this? That's the end of my own personal editorial thing. I want to tell you, It's been such a pleasure having you here today. And I want to mention to you that we do provide one-on-one advice, information, and guidance for free. We've been doing so since 1993, soon 30 years of providing one-on-one free advice and guidance from 10 in the morning till 4 in the afternoon, Eastern time zone, Monday to Friday. And you want to see all the details, how to talk with a member of Team Clark at our Consumer Action Center, go to clark.com slash CAC and have an absolutely wonderful weekend.